Strange Tales. RelicRadio.com presents tales of the strange and bizarre, the weird and the wicked. Stories not necessarily of the supernatural, but of the unnatural. Join us now for Strange Tales, featuring radio drama at its most mysterious and unusual. Strange Tales. Thanks for joining me this Sunday. We're going to hear from the Columbia Workshop this week, a series that aired over CBS stations for 370 episodes from July of 1936 to April of 1947. Our story today is taken from Edgar Allan Poe. It's Metz Engerstein. That's the way to pronounce it. First heard December 16th, 1937. under the doors and hisses as it finds its way down the chimney and falls on the logs that blaze in the great fireplace in the hall of the castle of Metzingerstein. Two vassals of Rudolf, Baron Metzingerstein, are standing with their back to the roaring fire. The doctor's taking a long time, Lucas. Well, there's nothing that he can do. He might as well go home. Merely a case of waiting until the old baron dies. I suppose so. Oh, what time is it? Past midnight. I wish the baron would hurry. Oh, all his life he's taking his time. Why should he hurry with his dying? Just so we can get to bed? Yes. Being a Metzingerstein, he'll hold out just as long as he can. It'll be a big funeral, I suppose. That'll make a lot of extra work. Yes, and flowers all over the place. People trampling mud everywhere. Yes. You suppose the Count of Lifitzing will come to pay his respects? Oh, not he. He'll sit over there in his castle and gloat when he sees old Baron Rudolph carried out feet first. Well, I don't know as I should blame him for that. Although he shouldn't gloat too much. The Lifitzing is an old man, too. And it won't be long before he'll be leading a funeral procession out of his own door. I wonder why they hate each other so. Oh, for the same reason that their fathers hated each other. And their fathers, and their fathers' fathers before them. And why was that? I doubt if even the Baron or the Count could tell you. It's a feud that's so old that no one remembers when it started, or what caused it. Some say that that old tapestry up there pictures the scene of the beginning of the feud. It's very lifelike, isn't it? Who's the fellow with the sword? Oh, one of our Baron Metzingerstein's ancestors. 
And the murdered man on the ground? Someone from the house of the Lippetsing. That's a fine horse. Yes, that needlewoman certainly knew her business. Looks as if it could step right off that cloth. See how his nostrils are dilated. That wild look in his eyes. Yeah, it's a fine piece of work, all right. Listen. Do you hear the bell? No. Well, I guess I was mistaken. I thought it might be young Frederick who will be our new master tomorrow. If the old man dies tonight. He'll die, all right. He gets around to it. Then, with all the others, we'll gather around his son and call the Baron Rudolph is dead. Long live the Baron Frederick von Metzingerstein. Twenty-eight years old. That's pretty young to be a baron. Yes. Where is he? Weeping mock tears in the old man's bed? No, not young Frederick. He's holding a little celebration in his chambers. Ludwig's been carrying wine and spirits up there all evening. He'd better not get too loud. If his father hears them, he'll rise from his deathbed and live just for spite. (laughs) (laughs) Half hour after midnight. Now, the Baron can't last much longer, surely. No. I wonder what his son Frederick is thinking of. Why do you wonder that? Oh, no reason, really. Just curiosity. But what does a man like Frederick think and say while his father keeps a watch for a visit from death? Only the devil could tell you what young Frederick is thinking. man and demanded every penny that was owed him. Now, in death, he demands that life pay him every minute and every second that life owes him. <laughs> Perhaps he'd hurry with his collecting if we sang him a bit of a song. Ah, <laughs> you don't know the old man like I do. If he were down to his last gasp and rant and rave. Well, after all, a man dies but once. We won't disturb him as long as he doesn't disturb us. <laughs> when will the funeral be, Frederick? As soon as possible. <laughs> Is there any more wine? A little. Uh, ring the bell for Ludwig. I'll have him bring up some more from the cellar. Look at that rain come down. It's running over those windows like a river. Yes. Blackest pitch. Except for that one spot of light from the window of Count Olitzin's castle. Ah, he's up late. I wonder why. Oh, probably heard that my father was dying. And like us, he's celebrating. <laughs> they hate each other, don't they? Yes, it's one of those things that has been passed down from generation to generation. But I can tell you one thing, gentlemen. Our family, the Metzingersteins, have always had the best of it. Like that scene in the tapestry down in the Great Hall? Yes, exactly. That tapestry was made by a Belificent, you know. Made by a Belificent? Well, how did your family get it? Well, we simply took it. One of my ancestors raided the Belificent castle, and that was part of the loot. There's supposed to be a curse that goes with it. A curse? Oh, how quaint. Yes. <laughs> you see, it was made to hang in the hall of the Belificent to remind them of the injustices they had suffered at our hands. When it was stolen, so the story goes, the old housekeeper, who was reputed to be a witch, said that that tapestry would cause the fall of the house of Metzingerstein. Well, how long ago was that? About 200 years. 
It must be a slow working car. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a witch. He was just a mistake. <laughs> uh, the present Count's daughter is a little witch, and no mistake. <laughs> One glance from those blue eyes of hers, and I'd follow her like a dog. (laughs) She's a beauty, all right. I've seen even Frederick here turn around and look when she passes by in her carriage. (laughs) What's her name? Maritza. She's pretty. Uh, What a little armful she'd make. Uh, Don't you think so, Frederick? Yes, in fact. I've been thinking a great deal about it. Oh, <laughs> it's a shame that your family and hers are such bitter enemies. Shouldn't one love one's enemy? Besides, if I really wanted her, why shouldn't I take her? Just as that ancestor of mine took the tapestry. Ah, an excellent idea, Frederick. The victory belongs to sport. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true son of your father. Well, we'll have to see what can be done about Maurice. Uh, your father will turn over in his new coffin. If he learns that you are bestowing your attentions, no matter how unwelcome, on a daughter of the Belifertine. Oh, you're right, my dear fellow. Entirely right. Therefore, you must remind me to have them put a few extra spikes in the lid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> what time is it? One o'clock. Just up the hour. And still the old man hasn't given up the ghost. What do you suppose he's thinking about as he lies there? Dying. Well, while he's thinking, we're drinking. Well, well, what do you care what he thinks? I don't. Still, it uh, would be interesting to know what a man thinks about when he knows his next visitor will be the undertaker. Is it, Doctor? The clock struck one a few moments ago, Baron, at Singastan. How the hours fly. How the years fly, for that matter. Oh, oh. What's the matter? Are you in pain again? It doesn't matter. If you'd only take that drink I mixed for you, you'd not feel it. Yes. But then I'd go to sleep. And while I was sleeping... I'd die. Oh, no, Doctor. The Metzingensteins have always gone into everything with their eyes open. I'll have no exception with my dying. But why endure pain when it isn't necessary, Baron? Life is nothing but a series of pains, Doctor. Mental and physical. We are eternally hurting people. They in turn hurt us. Is there any wine in that bottle? A little. You shouldn't have wine. Then why shouldn't I? If without the wine I die five minutes after the hour, or with the wine I die five minutes before the hour, what difference does it make? (laughs) Death will be just as complete and as permanent at either time. Give me the wine. Very well. I wonder where your son is keeping himself. Wouldn't you like to have him here? Frederick, don't bother yourself about him. He's carousing somewhere in the palace with his graceless companions, drinking, no doubt, to my speedy departure. Perhaps you misjudge him. Misjudge him? Misjudge Frederick? My dear doctor, if I thought the worst that I could think about my son... I would still be flattering him. 
Most fathers look upon their sons as a comfort to their old age. I have always considered Frederick a great discomfort. Have you no love for him at all? No. No more than he has for me. But he's your own flesh and blood. So is this arm of mine. But I have no particular affection for it. It's useful, yes. Just as my son is useful as a means of carrying on the Metzingerstein name and traditions. It's a very cold-blooded way of looking at the matter, Baron. <laughs> we Metzingersteins were never much on tender devotion. If you don't believe me, just take a look at the face of our ancestor on the tapestry that hangs in the great hall. I never look at the tapestry if I can help it. <laughs> Afraid? It's that horse. You have noticed it too, eh? <laughs> Years ago, I discovered that the eyes follow one. As if the animal lived and breathed. I cannot remember the face of your ancestor. But even tonight, when I passed through the great hall, I could feel the eyes of the horse watching me. It seemed to me that the mighty beast was champing at his bit. Pawing the ground as if he were waiting for a rider, waiting to be off. <laughs> Perhaps he was waiting to carry my soul to hell. <laughs> I would have gotten rid of the thing years ago. I like the tapestry because it represents a power I hold over my enemy. <laughs> a little more wine, please. This business of dying is rather dry work. Don't die until you have to, Doctor. <laughs> I won't, I promise you. <coughs> Here you are. Thank you. Ah, I see there is still a light across the way. The Count Berlitzing must still be up. Waiting, no doubt, for the joyful news of my death. Why think about that, Baron? Why not think about it? It's true. He and Marichin, that pretty daughter of his, are probably sitting up to toast my departing spirit with joyful cups. Why spoil your last hours with such ideas? It doesn't spoil them, I assure you. In fact, I rather relish the thought that I'm so cordially hated. I also glory in the thought of... Dying at this ungodly hour. By delaying my passing, I have cheated the Count Philippitzing and his Marichit out of several hours' sleep. I wish you wouldn't talk that way, Baron Metzingerstein. When one hasn't much more to say, one is entitled to say anything one likes. It would be interesting to know what the Count and his daughter are thinking about as they watch the light in my window. Waiting for me and the life to be extinguished? Yes, Doctor, it would be very interesting indeed to know what the Count Relifensing and Marichin are thinking. Light still burns in Baron Metzingerstein's window. Ah, the old reprobate. He still lives. Why don't you go to bed, Father? Oh, why go to bed? There's more pleasant thing to do. This is a night to celebrate. 
Tell me, Dingerstein, Stein. I wish you wouldn't say such things, Father. It doesn't sound like you. You've always been so kind and gentle and considerate. Uh, that is because I kept my mind at the Metzingersteins. Isn't it about time that that old feud was forgotten? It will never be forgotten. As long as there is one living Metzingerstein and one living Beneficine. Ah, if I had only had a son. I know you were disappointed when I was born. Disappointed? Yes, but very glad too, Marichen. I would not give you up for all the sons in the world. Ah, but I'm an old man. Soon I too will lie in my bed like a baronet's in the time and wait for death. And you'll be left alone. Oh, Father. Oh, do not be distressed, my dear. Death comes to all of us, whether we are beloved singers or metzingersteins. All we can hope is that the expected doesn't come too unexpectedly. Oh, I love you, Marishan. And because I love you, I wish I had a son. But why? When the Baron dies tonight, he will leave someone to take his place. Yes, and young Frederick will fill that place well. He is hard, and as brutal as his father was in his younger days. Yes, and his forefathers were before him. He might be the reincarnation of that Metzingerstein, embroidered on that tapestry that hangs in the great hall of that palace. I've never seen it. Ah, I've only seen it once. The one time that I was in the Metzingerstein palace on a mission for the emperor. My old nurse used to tell me a story about that tapestry. She said there was a curse on it. Oh, a very feeble curse, I'm afraid. Right is ever on the side of might. And that is why, my dear Marishan, I wish that I had a brother. A brother who was strong enough and daring enough to cope with young Frederick. I wonder if he feels badly about his father's death. Not he. Look at his apartments in the other wing of the Metzingerstein Palace. They're lit from one end to the other. He's having a celebration, no doubt, and he's waiting as impatiently as I am to hear that the Baron is dead. It must be terrible to die and to know that everyone is glad that you're dying. Your son, your neighbor. Yes, and even the servants that he has fed and clothed. The vassals who have cringed and trembled when he spoke. In all his palace, there's not one to mourn him. time is it, Lucas? It's going on two. Clock struck half past one just a bit ago. Oh, I'm tired. The Baron has no consideration for anyone to die as late as this. Perhaps he's changed his mind and has decided to live. Don't be a killjoy, Hugo. Look on the bright side of things. Perhaps he's giving up the ghost at this exact moment. Oh, no such luck. Well, it doesn't cost anything to be cheerful, Listen. What? I thought I heard someone at the top of the stairs. Yes, they're coming down. Ah, it's probably Ludwig coming after more wine. No, I don't think so. I know his step. Look. What? Look. What? That horse. That horse on the tapestry. What about him? I could swear that he winked his eyes and lifted his head, Lucas. It was the draft of the door, you fool. It blew the cloth and made the candle flicker. It's the doctor who's coming down. Ah, but I take an oath on it, Lucas. That horse moved. Quiet, you idiot. 
Good evening, Doctor. Oh, oh, rather, good morning. How is the Baron? The Baron? The Baron passed away about ten minutes ago. The Baron is dead. The Baron Rudolph von Matzingerstein is dead. I suppose I'd better break the news to young Frederick. I would imagine from the sound of merriment upstairs that his son Frederick has already heard the glad tidings. Ludwig must have gone downstairs and told the other servants, for they too seem very happy. You and Lucas undoubtedly will want to join them, Hugo. Go down and toast the passing of Baron Rudolph. You'd better be merry while you can, for now you belong to the Baron Frederick von Matzingerstein. Long live the Baron Frederick von Metzingerstein. A toast! A toast to the young Baron! Gentlemen, gentlemen! You have drunk so many toasts to my health that if I live to be a hundred, I shall never be bothered with even a headache. Oh, I bet you have a headache tomorrow. Yes, You've drunk enough wine for a dozen men. And why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I, I say? Does a man's father die every day in the year? I'm drowning my grief. Besides, haven't I just come from his tomb? And and isn't that tomb confoundedly damp? <laughs> you think I want to run the chance of becoming rheumatic? <laughs> oh, you're, you're too romantic to become rheumatic. <laughs> romantic. Now, there's an idea. The first sensible idea I've heard tonight. Another lady. Oh, yes, well, My father's well. dead. And I must have a feminine bosom to weep on. Yeah, right. oh, the girls are all asleep in their beds and dreaming, no doubt, of you. Well, let's wake him up. I want them to tell him about my father, about how he died and made me baron. The girls know all about it. We've told them all. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I bet we didn't tell Marietje von Belefitzing. And she's the prettiest girl there is. Yes. Oh, now, now Marietje knows about it. Come on, let, let's have another. Yes, Come on. She couldn't know about it, because I haven't told her. Come on, let's go over and get on. Bring her here. You, you can't do that, Frederick. Why can't I? And didn't one of my ancestors go into Beleficent Castle and take that tapestry up there? Yes, but that was a long time ago. You can't do those things nowadays. The emperor would raise ah, the many devils. Right. But supposing the emperor never knew about it? Supposing no one ever knew about it? What do you mean? What time is it? Two o'clock. And black as the inside of your father's tomb. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent for what? Marietje's asleep, I imagine. Yes. And also the Count of Lippitz. Yes. Of course. Yes. Supposing their stable should catch on fire. Don't you suppose that Marietje and her father would leave their beds and come down to the courtyard? But their stable isn't on fire. Ah, ah but it could be. That's right, it could. The Count has some fine horses in that stable. Suppose in the excitement of saving them, Marietje should disappear. You mean someone would... Abduct the little lady? Exactly. Oh. <laughs> oh. Search everywhere for her. Of course, but who would think of looking for her in the palace of Metzingerstein? <laughs> but no one will. Come, let's have another drink. And then, well, a fire is a fascinating thing. Oh. <laughs> Gentlemen, I don't think that any of us would like to miss it. Oh. <laughs> Marietje! 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 Marietje!
Why have you brought me here? Uh, why, I rescued you from the fire. Rescued me? Of course. Please let me go to my father. I don't believe you rescued me. I think you set fire to the stables just to abduct no, me. No, no. You must stay and help me celebrate. You seem to forget, Baron, that your father's just died. Oh, no. That is why we must celebrate. And besides, I hate to drink alone. You seem to do it very well. Uh, <laughs> practice, my dear Marichin, practice. <laughs> Has anyone told you how very pretty you are? Aren't you ashamed, Baron, drunk while your father lies dead a floor above you? Well, how long are you going to keep me here, Baron Frederick? Oh, who knows? Perhaps as long as we've kept your tapestry that hangs on that wall. It's a nice piece of work. Did your father ever tell you the story about it? This man with a sword is my ancestor. The one on the ground is yours. And this horse... Devil. What have you been doing to this tapestry? Why, I haven't touched it. You lie. You cut out the figure of the horse. I tell you, I didn't. Why did you do it? Why did you cut that house out of the tapestry? How could I cut it out? Why, you've never left my side. Don't lie to me. Tell me why you did it, or I'll choke the words out of your white little throat. How could I do it? I didn't have time. Why, to cut it as perfectly as that's been cut would take hours. Answer me. Why did you do it? I didn't do it. You are a witch. No, no, I didn't do it, I tell you. Then who did? I don't know. I don't know, I tell you. Baron Frederick. Baron Frederick. What do you want, Hugo? How dare you come in here unless I call you? I'm sorry, sir, but something's happened. Well, what is it? Uh, The Count Belifitzing is dead. Oh! Yes, they were searching for his daughter. She disappeared while the stable was burning. Well? The Count saw a bit of white cloth in the burning building, and he thought it was her dress. He rushed in, and the roof fell. You killed him. You killed my father, Baron Frederick. Be quiet, you little fool. It was your fault that he went to his death searching for me. How could I know that it would turn out like this? Oh. Then it was you that set the stable on fire. Oh, that's a lie. The truth is written on your face, Baron Frederick. And how else did you happen to be on our estate in the early hours of the morning? I saw the flames, and I came to see if I could be of assistance. Assistance? And I suppose it was your regard for my safety that prompted you to bring me here by force. Where are you going? You'll not leave this room. Very well, Baron Frederick. You spoke of the curse that went with the tapestry that hangs on your wall. Yes. Are you trying to frighten me with such rot? I can prophesy, Baron Frederick. I can look into the future and tell you that the palace of Metzingerstein, yes, and you, will be destroyed. Really? Perhaps you can tell me how. In this manner. Put down that lamp. That tapestry is hung there for 200 years. It's as dry as tinder. Put down that lamp. Flames will leap from those draperies to the hangings, from the hangings to the beams, from the beams to the whole palace of Metzingerstein. Do you suppose that my prophecy would come true if I should throw this lamp? Put down that lamp! I know, Theron! I'm afraid our work is useless, Frederick. The palace is ablaze from one end to the other. 
How did it happen? It was an accident. A lamp was overturned. Where's the girl, Marie? In there. Didn't you try to save her? The burning oil from the lamp flew everywhere. Hugo and I barely got out with our lives. Our clothing was ablaze. That's a horrible death. Yes. Well, Frederick! Well, Frederick! Yes, what is it? Uh, look, here by the gate. What are you talking about? It's a horse, frightened and saddled. Well, what of that? Where did it come from? It was probably frightened by the flames that escaped from our stable. A horse of this size never occupied one of our stalls. It's a mammoth beast. And its eyes stared at one like the eyes of that horse in the tapestry that hung in the great hall. Perhaps it's... That's what? <laughs> Perhaps it's the same animal come to life. Don't be a superstitious fool. How could it be? That horse was nothing but thread. And this one is made of flesh. Go back to your fire, you fool. It must be a horse that escaped from the burning stable. I'll ride him over to the castle of the Lippertine. We will stay there this night. Come, Lucas. Let's get the horse. But, Baron, we can't do that. What is that to stop us? Baron, don't set foot in that stirrup. I implore you. And why not? It fits my foot. I tell you that that horse is not a real horse. Keep your peasant superstitions to yourself. Uh, I haven't the time nor the patience to listen to them. You're going to your death. Get away or I'll write you down. Get my friends and follow me to the castle. Tell them that drinks are waiting for them. I'll lead the way. Baron, Baron, come back. Come back before it's too late. Where's he going? What's his hurry? He started off down the road like an arrow. And the horse, he seemed to fly instead of run. See, he's turned about and he's coming back. He's running away. Frederick's pulling out a bit like a madman. He's the bridle. Stop him. He's headed for the burning palace. He's the bridle. Stop him as they go by. Jump for it. Don't jump. Shut him up. You clumsy lout. You missed. No, I didn't miss. My hand reached where the bridle seemed to be. But it touched nothing but thin air. Oh, the horse is breaking up the stairs of the burning palace. Stop! Stop, Frederick! Stop! Oh, I can't bear to look. What has happened? Oh, disappeared into the flames. Look. Look. Where? What? There. Over the roof of the palace. It's nothing but a great cloud of black smoke. Yes. But see, it takes the shape of a giant horse. A horse? Yes. The horse of the tapestry. Tapestry that carries a curse. It has come through at last. <laughs> Tonight is the end of the house of Matinkatine. The Columbia Workshop has presented a radio adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's famous short story, Matinkatine. Charles Taswell dramatized it for radio, Irving Reese directed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kenneth Roberts speaking. And on behalf of the workshop staff, I should like to express our regret at the fact that Irving Reese, who has been producer and director of the workshop series since its inception, concludes his services with this broadcast to accept a new assignment as writer-director for Paramount Pictures Corporation. We are all happy to wish him every success. Next week, Mr. William N. Robeson, who for many years has been one of radio's leading dramatic directors and who has produced several outstanding workshop productions, will direct the workshop program and those thereafter. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's our strange tale for this week. Don't forget to visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the donate links if you'd like to help support strange tales in all of the Relic Radio shows. After you do that, go back and enjoy some of the thousands of old-time radio episodes we have available to listen to there, and our Shoutcast stream with even more. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this Sunday. I will be back next Sunday with another episode of Relic Radio's Strange Tales. Strange Tales.